Think Humanities, a podcast for people who love history, philosophy, culture, literature, civic dialogue, and the arts. Think Humanities, from Kentucky Humanities, where we've been telling Kentucky stories for 45 years. Here is your host, Bill Goodman. Kent Wentworth is the executive director of the Kentucky Historical Society, uh, heads up the Kentucky History Center in Frankfurt, and uh, really the uh, history of Kentucky is under your purvey. Uh, Kent, uh, welcome to the program. Thank you, Bill. It's a pleasure to be here. Tell me a little bit about your background, your Kentuckiness, and uh, uh, let that lead up to uh, the Historical Society. Okay, I am a seventh-generation Kentuckian. Uh, my father is the genealogist in the family, and we had ancestors at Fort Herod in the 1770s, so um, I guess I come by all this rightly. Uh, Mom and Dad are both educators by trade, and um, so we had flexibility in the summers, and my twin brother and I and my parents uh, traveled a good bit and always were going to museums and historic sites. So that's, uh, as I say, I come by this rightly, and it's, it's just the way I grew up. And you've been at the Historical Society for a number of years. I have. It's, uh, time flies when you're having fun. It's been almost 14 years. And tell me about uh, what you remember about the sort of the evolution of of the building of the History Center and and those days when there wasn't that uh, beautiful building that you have and museum and uh, in Frankfurt. I'm still uh, honestly stunned when I talk to people from outside uh, of the area, outside the state for that matter, who haven't traveled to Frankfurt to see what you've done there. Right. Uh, you know, well over a million people have, have visited the Thomas D. Clark Center for Kentucky History, but uh, not, not everyone has, and we encounter those folks as well. Um, I'll tell you a quick story about one of my early recollections of the Kentucky Historical Society. As I said, my parents are educators, and Dad taught uh, uh, music at Butler High School. But in the summer, um, about uh, two or three times uh, for several years when we were in grade school, Dad would make the trek to Frankfurt to spend the day doing research in the Kentucky Historical Society's library, working on our family. And so my twin brother and I would literally, he, you know, those were in the days where you, you, you could sort of park your kids over at the old state capitol, and that was the state museum in those days. And we literally for hours would just wander those halls. And I vividly remember the, um, the uh, flags, the, the battle flags that hung off the balcony in the house chamber in the old state capitol. I remember the street sweeper, the repeating rifle that sat at the base of that glorious freestanding staircase in the old state capitol. And, and literally, Witt and I would just wander, and our, and our minds would wander. And uh, uh, it's funny because uh, I remember not only having all the time at the state museum, but before we would leave and go back to Louisville, we would go up the hill to the Frankfurt Cemetery, pay homage to Daniel Boone's grave, and then drive up 64 back to Louisville. So, um, you know, I'm really steeped in this, and I'm grateful that my, my parents instilled a real sense of history and, and uh, understanding and appreciation for the past. So you've been an historian almost all of your life? Well, I, I would say I'm maybe an advocate and an ambassador for history. Uh, I mean, I have a master's in, in history with an emphasis in historic preservation, but um, the longer I've been in the field, 
the more I've had to learn how to get a vicarious thrill because an awful lot of what I do is um, on the uh, relationship building side and the management side and the fundraising side. And frankly, I find that very stimulating and fulfilling because I believe so deeply in the cause. This is the uh, airplane seat question uh, that uh, sometimes I use to uh, to find out a little bit more about uh, a guest, and that is if you're uh, on the airplane and someone next to you says, oh, by the way, what do you do for a living? And you say? Uh, I work at the Kentucky Historical Society. And what do you do there? Uh, well, um, I... I have the privilege of telling the, the great stories, uh, not only of Kentucky history, but its impact uh, in society today. Uh, we serve all kinds of audiences from certainly uh, educators and students. We serve about 30,000 school students on site each year, uh, but we are engaging communities much like the Humanities Council uh, from, from one end of the Commonwealth to the other. And it's just so exciting for for people to engage with their past and then use it as a tool to address contemporary issues. Frankly, that's where I find the work most fulfilling. Uh, you know, I think about William Faulkner's statement, the past is never dead, it's not even past. And you and I both know that. And since that, it drives who we are and the organizations we serve. But um, in some respects, it's a little bit of a secret weapon. Um, people. I think they relate to the past. They don't always relate to history because of, of the box that we have allowed history to be placed in. You know, it's so much more than names and dates. And so um, that's what I think uh, really drives the work at KHS now, regarding of the, regardless of the audience we serve. Well, talk a little bit about that, uh, about the box that uh, we've put history in and the concern that you may have, uh, the challenge uh, out there about continuing this uh, travel through time uh, and and a look back at wh where we were and, and what we did and, and how important that is to not only young people, but to uh, people who might have avoided it or not been interested in it in their lifetime and now are discovering it again. So right. where, do, do, you, do you, are you concerned that we're not doing what we need to do? Uh, I am, and, and I don't want to point fingers. Frankly, I think, um, you know, our field, our profession, and I've been in it 30 years, so, you know, I feel somewhat responsible that we got comfortable when funding was robust. Um, we um, didn't really have to uh, to ask the probing questions uh, about our work and its impact and its significance, and I never dreamed I would say that, that the economic downturn um, that began in 08 and, and challenged uh, our Commonwealth and the United States for, for several years, continues to in some respects, would be a blessing in disguise for our field. Because when we were collectively fighting for our lives and our mere existence, we had to look at our work very differently. It reminds me of what a colleague of mine, my counterpart in Idaho, uh, Jan Gallimore, a dear friend now, she said, you know, what we've got to do is pivot from being nice to being necessary, and frankly, we are necessary. You know, there's not a decision that a, that a community, a family, uh, a local um, or a state or, or a national government makes where historical context isn't invaluable. You need to understand how you got here. Um, 
and embedded in that information may be a path to a solution or at least a way to, to begin to constructively address some of these issues. Um, Crit Llewellyn is, uh, we're so blessed because she is very involved at KHS and is uh, currently an officer with our foundation. Of course, she's a former um, governor's aide, uh, secretary of the cabinet under uh, a number of, under Governor Patton. Right. Uh, she served in a number of capacities before that. Uh, state auditor and state then auditor, lieutenant governor. Uh, and, and moved right through the ranks and... Uh, uh, so that, that's who CRIT is, but you were yes, saying. Yes, right, and thank you, Bill. Um, but CRIT really challenged us to make sure that, um, that we made accessible information so that, that all kinds of entities in Kentucky can make informed decisions. You know, we look back and we realize we're one of the, uh, one of the few agencies, if you will, in state government that takes a long view. And I doubt there's a topic that would come up whether in the executive branch or the legislative branch, or even for that matter, the judicial branch, where KHS collections and other historical collections and and state government wouldn't help um, illuminate that situation and and reveal, again, some paths to uh, some uh, solutions. So uh, we we feel like relevance is a watchword for us. And, And it's it's not about creating it. It's more about unearthing it. And it's a sort of peeling back maybe some of the, uh, the, the, the more peripheral kind of nostalgic kinds of parts of history. Um, you know, all of our identities are wrapped up in the past, whether we acknowledge it or not, and that's such a powerful touch point. But from there, um, you develop skills and perspective and leadership and engagement and economic development. All these, all these components um, are are, are really, in essence, values embedded in history and in historical thinking and in the historical process. So what you're saying is it's not all about what you find at any museum or history center under the glass. Right. It's not all artifacts and what one sees when they tour the history center, for example. There's so much more. And and maybe we've either lost a little of that or we need to to enhance that or or, or begin to work on that even even more. Well, even your comments, Bill, um, reflect how I think uh, our profession has treated history. We've put it under glass and we've we've said to those thirty thousand school kids to put your hands in your pocket, be quiet. And, and, and look reverentially at these things. And there is a sense of awe and wonder when you encounter the authentic, the original. But, but what we're trying to do is shift the kind of uh, touch points and opportunities for engagement from awe and wonder, do not touch, be quiet, to roll up your sleeves and dig in. And, 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 and trying to get uh, school students and other audiences we serve to find their own meaning in these artifacts and these themes that that are so steeped in in Kentucky's story. How do you do that? Yeah. How have, and I know it doesn't happen overnight and and you've been working on it for some years, but how do you uh, take what we know is uh, steeped in all of us as Kentuckians and from outside the state too and and begin to change that in a way that I don't know if the what is the end goal is it to bring more people to the table is it is it to to be sure that that 
that the interest in, in history and the humanities is around for our next generation. Just talk a little bit about that. One of the phrases that, that, that I like to use is um, history has a lot more to do with the future than it does the past. And so to me, that's the end game that we use history, certainly the content, but, but the, the tools of history, the, uh, the way a historian uh, approaches their work, you know, understanding context, thinking critically, discerning what's what's valid and what's not, and then coming to a conclusion and really owning it, being able to communicate that. Those kind of skills are invaluable, whatever kind of profession or trade you pursue. Um, that are going to benefit your individual life, your family, your community, you extend that out as far as it'll go. And so I think for us, the end game is that big. About two years ago, we adopted a new mission at KHS, and it says we educate and engage the public through Kentucky history in order to confront the challenges of the future. The first two-thirds of that sounds like they are all the mission statements, but the end game, in order to confront the challenges of the future. I mean, that's the point, you know, to, to enrich um, not only our lives, but the lives of those around us. And we are absolutely convinced history is a very powerful underutilized tool toward that end. And I'll never forget when we rolled out that mission to uh, a joint um, uh, group of, of foundation and governing board members at KHS. And we, we pulled that back and I kind of sheepishly turned around and kind of hunkered down. And I'll never forget their response. It was just matter of fact. This, Of course, this is our mission. It, it can't be anything less. So, you know, I I was the one that was sort of easing into this, and they just boldly said, of course, you know, let's go. This is it. Tell me about some of the uh, initiatives, programs that you have done in the past that, that are memorable uh, and that you're proud of, uh, and we're going to kind of move forward sure. in, into what you're doing today and, sure. then, and then what you have on the drawing board. Sure. Uh, you know, I've, I was, uh, I've been blessed to be at KHS uh, during the Lincoln Bicentennial, and we had the privilege of working with you and, and several of your uh, other wonderful colleagues there on some major initiatives around the Lincoln story. Um, so we're very proud of, of the stewardship that, that KHS and, and other partners like KET and, and uh, uh, Kentucky Humanities and others, uh, I think we can look back and be proud. Several things that we did. Um, and I'm proud that KHS spread the wealth. Um, that was in the days of, of state government largesse. And so there were substantial grants just um, awarded to all kinds of organizations from one end of the Commonwealth to the other. Um, but then we made it sure that there were wonderful legacy uh, projects that would enrich Kentucky for years to come. And one was a major traveling exhibition uh, called Beyond the Log Cabin. Abraham Lincoln, or Kentucky's Abraham Lincoln, and that uh, debuted at KHS and then went it to Louisville and was at the Speed, and then it went to eastern Kentucky, went to Ashland to the Highlands Discovery uh, Center and Museum, and uh, then we did, uh, we, we developed a new Lincoln Heritage Trail. Uh, we set out to make sure that not only Kentuckians, but the nation knew of Lincoln's Kentucky roots, not just in those early years, but throughout his life. And I think we were successful in doing that. Um, so I'm very proud of the, the Lincoln Bicentennial efforts. Um, I've been very proud of what we've been able to do with a program uh, called National History Day. 
when I first got there, we had maybe 300 or so students from across the state involved. Uh, now we have between three and 4,000 students involved. In fact, as we speak, more than 50 middle and high schoolers from Kentucky are at University of Maryland in College Park competing with about 3,500 to 4,000 middle and high school students, not only from the United States, from around the world. And they're, doing, they're participating in all kinds of projects, but it's all focused on the skills development. And you see the light bulb come on in these kids as they dig into a topic that they find meaningful and they develop research skills and they develop not just opinions, but interpretations of the past and they own them and they present them in dynamic ways, either through a theatrical presentation or um, um, a short form video production or a website or a traditional three panel exhibit, but there's latitude for them to play to their strengths. Um, and so we're very proud. Last year, we had two national champions, one at the middle school level and one at the high school level. So um, NHD is another program we're very proud of. Tell me about um, how you are uh, celebrating the 225th and uh, how you're suggesting to other people that they celebrate uh, the, the, the birthday of Ken Kentucky's um, uh, signing their, their state constitution in 1792. And I'm just admiring your uh, appropriate uh, lapel pin, oh. <laughs> which is uh, which is quite beautiful, and you made a comment I uh, heard the other uh, uh, the other day uh, about if you're uh, st because if you if you, and I, I again encourage people if they haven't been to the uh, Kentucky History Center to please go uh, on a little short trip this summer, no matter where you're from in Kentucky. But you were joking that uh, because you have these uh, big, bold 225th uh, numbers up on the side of the building and your staff was uh, thinking you were over the top with those. Yeah, we, uh, <laughs> uh, we wanted to make very clear that, that people knew it was the 225th. And, and the Thomas D. Clark Center is a handsome building. It's a massive building, 167,000 square feet. And so to put banners up there to really message something, you know, we felt like we had to go big. And, and this time we made, I don't think we overdid it, but oh, we I were bold. Yeah. yeah. Anyway, we are, um, we're really being energized by the 225th and we hope other organizations and people from across Kentucky are as well. One of the things I'm most excited about is, uh, is a listening tour uh, where we are going literally from one end of the state to the other. And we're, we're talking to people about Kentucky at, 225 years old. And we're asking a simple question, what makes Kentucky, Kentucky? And the first time we ask it, it's very celebratory. And we work with Kristen Branscombe and the folks at Tourism, and they put together a wonderful kind of highlight reel of Kentucky and all those places and all those themes that make us proud. And and uh, so it's great to, to, to sort of unleash that enthusiasm among a group. And then we turn around and say, okay, at 225, what makes Kentucky, Kentucky? What are those issues that, that continue to challenge us? And what are those topics that we need to address? And, and 225 years from now, we shouldn't be dealing with the same issues. Frankly, in 25 years, we shouldn't be dealing with some of the same issues. But it's been amazing to see people care enough about their home or their adopted state to really dig into substantive issues. And then at the end, we challenge them to individually or with the organization that we're visiting with or through their community to do something about it. 
you know, you may not change the world, but you can help take a few incremental steps to address any of these issues from the environment to education and everything in between. But what we've found most invigorating is that people love Kentucky for all kinds of reasons. And because they love it, they care enough to try to do something about it. And so we feel like we're modeling our mission. We are saying, let's take the past and use it as an accelerant to address some of these issues um, that continue to challenge us. And, and frankly, we can be better than that. And so if we'll each do our part, I think the future can be even brighter. And I'm proud that history and the humanities can play a key role, can be a secret weapon, if you will, in this whole situation. Tell me uh, very quickly, if you will, uh, about uh, your relationship with Dr. Ed Ayers and uh, the presentation that I heard uh, uh, just a few days ago uh, at the Kentucky History Center. Um, it, I, I was uh, stunned by his magnetism, right. by his uh, delivery, his presentation, his enthusiasm, not just for for history of the past, but what he's doing with uh, the digitization, yes. the digitization uh, of, um, of historical records. Right. Well, uh, Dr. Ayers is the president emeritus at University of Richmond, a gifted historian, and really the father of digital history. Um, back in the 90s, early 90s, he and others were thinking about this. But I think what really drives him is, 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 is making history accessible, making primary uh, source material accessible for, to all kinds of people so they can find their own meaning. Um, and in this day and age, given the technological advances, it's, it's mind-boggling what's possible. And I'm so grateful that a gifted historian like him is looking at these opportunities through that lens. And he has enlisted, as you know, uh, legions of, of college students and, and emerging scholars and, and, and the general public. Um, he's an amazing man and has been a fabulous advocate for, for history. Uh, the relationship KHS has with Dr. Ayers is through um, our Civil War governors of Kentucky digital documentary edition. That's a mouthful. But basically what we were trying to do, and this project's about six years old now, is we felt like Kentucky's Civil War story is very unique on the national stage. And we were encouraged to develop a documentary edition of the, you know, to capture the papers of these, these five governors, three um, uh, federal governors and two provisional Confederate governors. Again, that points out the uniqueness of the Kentucky story. But instead of us spending 25 years to amass this collection and then publish it in two or three print volumes so it could sit on a couple dozen library shelves, we birthed this thing digitally. And frankly, we are, and I can brag on them because I'm not directly involved, but this team we've assembled is, is really uh, created a national model, not only about the stories we're telling, but the way we're able to compile and then present uh, that information. We're, we're able to, you, you can take any of this information and look at it through any lens that you choose. It's kind of looking, think about looking at, a, at, at words on a page and then being able to flip it up. It, it entirely changes the perspective. And now we're starting to do some mapping that shows relationships between these various folks. So you've got the person holding the highest uh, 
executive office in the Commonwealth, and then you have a slave. And yet you look at how these relationships have been mapped, and they're not all that far apart. And what does that mean? It's been fascinating. I'll tell you one quick story about that project, and that is that um, one of the things that they uncovered is they were um, collecting these materials, and it's over 30,000 um, uh, items. There are 10,000 accessible online right now. But one of the things that they kept dealing with um, in these papers was what we today cause, call post-traumatic stress syndrome. And, and so what we have done is we have taken several of these post-Civil War cases and we're working with the people at the Kent School for Social Work at UofL and Fort Knox. And we are training the next generation of people that are dealing with these issues using historical cases. And it's amazing. You know, there's that, that, that intersection of the past and the present. And so uh, who would have ever dreamed that we could help train people treating this very contemporary issue using post-Civil War documents. So uh, that's just the, the literally the proverbial tip of the iceberg. The uh, records that uh, you have uh, accessible now to the public, uh, are they yes. off your website? They and, are. Yeah, if and, you and, go to our website, history.ky.gov, and actually we just launched a new website at the beginning of the month. It was part of our our 225 celebration. One of the things we wanted to do is, is make a new, um, create a different level of engagement through our website. But if they can just go to the website, search or governors of Kentucky, and they can see 10,000 different documents and they can search any way they'd like, not only see a transcript, but then they can see the linkages be through the various relationships. Um, and so I would encourage them to, to take a look at that and then stay tuned because that's only about a third of the collection. Um, and, and the other thing, Bill, we're building this digitally. We do not physically house all these records. Uh, these are in repositories all across the Commonwealth. Uh, we are now uh, working um, in the records at Library of Congress, um, but we have uh, we've reached out to hundreds and hundreds of, of entities around the country, and on occasion, you know, you find something in somebody's attic, and, sure. and that gets rolled in. Well, so. it's an exciting project, yeah. and we will. Uh, Follow you all the way through on this. Uh, Kent Wentworth is the executive director of the Kentucky Historical Society and uh, been so involved in the history of Kentucky for many, many years. We'd like to have you come back and, and join us again and uh, uh, talk uh, about some of your other projects. I uh, appreciate you being here today. Thank you, Bill, and thank you so much for what you and, and Humanities Kentucky do. We, um, we feel a sense of kindred spirit and um, are, are thrilled to work in partnership with you all. Think Humanities is a podcast from Kentucky Humanities and is a production of the University of Kentucky College of Arts and Sciences. This podcast was created at the Media Depot. Think Humanities is available at kyhumanities.org, iTunes, and SoundCloud.